Adios, everyone. This is Ancient Wisdom for Modern Seekers. And today we've got Swami Mahayogananda Ji with us, and we adore him. And he's so wise and so insightful, and we're so lucky to have him with us. And today we're going to be talking about Makali, who was like Ramakrishna's muse, his, his deity. And also the relationship that Swami Nivita, not Swami, what's her name? Sister Nivedita, I'm all tongue-tied today. Sister Nivedita had with Sharada Devi and then her feelings about Makali and everything. So Swami's done some research on this and given a talk on it before, but we're going to dive deep and, and get the scoop. And if you have any questions, just feel free to uh, jump in and we'll figure it out. So welcome, Swami. How are you? Thank you. It's always a joy to join your classes and uh, discuss spiritual life and Vedanta and how to reach the divine. Absolutely. So tell us now, uh, why Ma Kali? Like, why was Rama Krishna so enamored with her of all the different choices he had, I guess? Why her? <laughs> well, that's, that's the, how can we answer that question? You know, you know um, Sister Nivedita asked Swami Vivekananda once, so do you think the, the future will call Ramakrishna an incarnation of Kali? And Swamiji answered, yes, there's no doubt that Kali worked up the body of Ramakrishna for her own ends. So is it Ramakrishna that chose Kali or is it Kali that chose Ramakrishna? Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. So that as you know, Sri Ramakrishna started out in the Kali temple of Dakshineshwar, and uh, there's so many unusual and to our worldly minds inexplicable events around that. How that unfolded, how uh, the foundress, uh, the founder of the temple, Rani Rashmani, had a dream that she sh a vision of Mother Kali that she shouldn't go on pilgrimage spending many millions of rupees, but rather should build a temple to the Divine Mother. And then when the installation was delayed, she had another dream telling her, hurry up, I need to get installed here. And so uh, there seems to, Swami Vivekananda said that, that the, somewhere there is a force, a power, the mother power. Uh, and uh, she, she is real. And it is she who is guiding uh, us. And it is she who is manifesting this entire world as her play. And at the same time, she is guiding her children to come back to her. And, she, and is uh, apparently getting up the body of Ramakrishna for bringing the message of the age. That's Swami Vivekananda's idea. He was utterly dedicated to the mother. Though that's not so widely known. Yeah, it's not because he shows his devotion to Ramakrishna specifically as his teacher, his guru. He gives him all the credit, but Ramakrishna gave all the credit to Makali, right? 
Sri Ramakrishna dedicated to Swamiji to Makali. And he fought for many years. He fought it. He didn't, he didn't like Kali at all. He hated it. He said, how I used to hate Kali and all her ways. And uh, Kali, for those of you who don't know, Mother Kali is, a, 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 is conceived in a rather unusual way. She is the divine mother. She is completely black in complexion. She is often pictured completely nude. And she has four arms. In one arm, she is uh, blessing us with don't be afraid. The other arm, she is granting boons to us. But the other two arms, she's holding a saber, a, a sword. And her final arm is holding what? A severed human head. So it's a, it's a, at first, it's a, a kind of shocking vision of the divine. This is God. Is this how we conceive of the divine? A mother? But she's what's motherly about her. She has this sword and she's holding a severed human head. And around her waist is a girdle of human arms, arms cut off and made into a girdle and wrapped around her waist. Is this how we conceive of God? So it, it, kind of shocking. And then it's Ramakrishna, Ramakrishna and after him, Swami Vivekananda, both fully dedicated to Ma Kali, Mother Kali. So what are the, what can we learn from this? I mean, when most people see Kali, they're, um, like you said, they're shocked. They're like, what, is, what does this mean? What is it's all the symbolic, behind yeah. this? Well, the, sim the symbology is all very, is, is very deep. Um, first of all, do we accept that God is everything? Is God infinite or not? If God is infinite, if the divine is an infinite reality, then how do we uh, say that God is all good? Because there's so much wicked, so many seemingly wicked and difficult things in this world. So can we say that God does those things also? So the, the picture of Makali is a complete picture. She creates and she preserves and she also destroys. So it's the complete picture of the divine as all encompassing and all embracing and all destroying at the same time. That's one aspect of it. But the symbology of the sword has also a deeper meaning. Because in spiritual life, if we really want the vision of the divine, we, our separate individuality, our ego, the one that thinks I'm such an important Swami, and I'm, uh, or whatever that ego is, I'm such a, I'm Paramat, I'm such an important uh, <laughs> person, no, whatever. Uh, that person has to die. It's that ego which obstructs our view of Divine Mother. So her sword is actually a sword of grace. It cuts that ego, that demon ego, which prevents that, that uh, side of us which 
thinks we are thinks are, that we are the most important person in the world and that our physical form and our mind is is eternal and is true and uh, is the should be worshiped by everybody that ego of ignorance she cuts out of her grace and then the amazing thing is that Sri Ramakrishna's first vision of Divine Mother, he was worshipping her in the temple with such intense longing to see her and to wondering if I'm worshipping an image, a stone image, is she real? And uh, finally, the longing became too great and he spied a sword hanging on the wall of the temple. There was a sword there also used in, this, in the rituals. And he decided, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore, the separation from mother. And he ran to the sword to take it to cut his own throat. He was so desperate to see mother. And it was at that moment that the mother revealed herself as an infinite ocean of light and bliss. Okay, so she is, okay, we, we've learned about Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva as create, maintain, destroy. But they came from Kali, Ma Kali. See, there's, there's so many different ways of approaching the, the divine. And okay, the Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva is one uh, conception in the Hindu cosmology. But the, the other one is the Kali, Kali, Shiva Shakti. And uh, Shiva is the, uh, the ground, the unmoving ground of infinite consciousness. And Shakti, his power, is Kali. And it's she who manifests this whole universe. But again, the, the devotees of mother, devotees of God in whatever form will take their form of God to be the absolute. So devotees of the mother say, Mother Kali does everything. You go Krishna and uh, Vishnu and Brahma and Shiva, they're all coming from Makali. And those who worship Krishna will say, Oh, well, but Krishna is supreme. Mother Kali comes from Krishna. So it's, it does, it's, it's our approach. But right now we're in the approach of Divine Mother. And we're coming up on the season of the worship of Divine Mother. So it's Mother who is everything. Right. And what you're saying with that is we have the Durga Puja coming up. What is the relationship between Durga and Kali? Because I've always heard that Durga is like an incarnation of Kali. Or how does that whole work? Laughing <laughs> because... It's not so simple like that, you know. There's there no easy answer. There are, different, there are different forms of divine mother. In the Chandi, Kali Ke was born out of Durga to in the battle between the demons. But then she has her own, she has her own for those devot for Sri Ramakrishna, Kali is the supreme reality uh, as act in, in action. And she, he would say, I he whom you call Brahman, that infinite reality, I call as Kali. Uh, telling Swami Vivekananda. Okay, I see. And uh, he looked on Kali as the Supreme and Swami Vivekananda, though he was uh, not, he was reluctant to accept Kali, but Sri Ramakrishna worked on him for a long time. And finally, he had to accept her. And the, the turning point came, you know, he had, his, he had lost his father and the family was thrown into poverty and he was desperate for a solution. And he couldn't get a, find a job. There was, not, there was not enough food in the house to eat. People were going hungry. 
And so he was really suffering. He really experienced the suffering uh, of this world. And finally, he came to Sri Ramakrishna. He thought, this is all, Sri Ramakrishna can, should pray to me, to the mother. Uh, Sri Ramakrishna was also working on him. He said, I've prayed to her so many times, but uh, you don't accept her. So she doesn't listen to my prayer. Well, I tell you what, tonight, go to the temple of Mahakali and ask her for what you want. She is the all blissful mother. She will grant whatever you desire. She is true. So the nighttime came. This was a Tuesday. So Swamiji had gone to visit her. And he went to the temple. He, he sent, he sent Sri Ramakrishna sent him to the temple. And as he was going, a kind of intoxication overtook him. And when he reached the temple, he was going in great expectation that he is coming face to face with the infinite mother of the whole universe. And he found, in place of a stone statue, he found the living mother of the universe enshrined in the temple. And he fell before at her feet and he prayed, Mother, grant me devotion for you. Grant me love. Grant me renunciation. Grant me purity. He prayed all these things. And in bliss, he came, came back to Sri Ramakrishna in bliss, completely forgetting about the situation of his family and that he was supposed to ask her for financial help. <laughs> and uh, Sri Ramakrishna said, oh, so did, did you ask to my mother for financial help? Oh, I forgot all about it. Uh, what? Could, what? Go back. Again, he goes to the temple. Again, he's overwhelmed with bliss, seeing the divine mother. And he can't possibly ask her for money. It doesn't even enter his mind. When we see, see, it's like Sri Ramakrishna used to say, uh, when you go to a king and he says, ask for a boon, uh, are you going to ask him, uh, uh, can you please give me some zucchini? <laughs> no, you're going to say, can you please give me uh, gold and jewels and uh, all the things that a king has? You're not going to ask for some zucchini, right? Some gourds and pumpkins, as Sri Ramakrishna put it. So likewise, when, when Swamiji came in the presence of the mother, all thought of money and financial hardship and food, that left him completely. He was just overwhelmed in the presence of that infinite love, that infinite light. So again, he forgot all about it. Finally, Sri Ramakrishna again scolded him, sent him a third time. Third time, he remembered and was overcome with shame that he was even that it had even occurred to him to ask in the presence of that infinite grace that he should ask for something as paltry as some financial help. So he came back to see Ramakrishna, and finally he he turned on Ramakrishna himself and said, "Okay, you must you must grant this. It's it's all you're doing. You must grant that uh, um, my family's." hardship be alleviated and at first he wouldn't agree finally he, he agreed that all right they will not lack simple food and clothing and so that boon was granted by Ramakrishna himself and that was also fulfilled that they didn't starve they had at least simple food and clothing so uh, that was the, when Mother Kali whom he had completely doubted and hated and all of that he, he had to accept her yeah. by, by Sri Ramakrishna's blessing. What was Sharda Devi's relationship with Kali? Like, was she as, like, devoted to Kali as Ramakrishna was? Her nephew, Shibu, she had a nephew, Shibu, young, young boy. 
And one day they were walking back home to their village home in Jairambati. And uh, Shibu was going along with his, with his aunt. And suddenly Shibu stops down his packages and he stops. And mother's going and, and she fought Holy Mother, Sarada Devi. She's going and she sees that uh, he's not following what's going on. So uh, she says, what's the matter, Shibu? Let's go. And she was says, no, I want to know who you are. And mother says, well, don't be silly. I'm your aunt. Come on, let's go. No, I, I have to know. Who are you? Let's go home. Or we just, no, I have to know. Who are you? And, he, and then he, she said, well, people say I am Kali. And then he was satisfied and he came along. So, somehow he knew. Somehow he had this inkling. He wanted to hear it from her lips. So uh, Sri Ramakrishna, once uh, mother, Holy Mother was massaging his feet and she asked him, how do you look on me? And he said, the mother who is in the concert tower, that means the, the mother who had given birth to Sri Ramakrishna's body, and the mother in the temple and the person massaging my feet, they're one and the same. Mm. What was their relation? Yes, in externally, the Holy Mother had an image of, uh, of Mother Kali in her uh, room that she used to worship there. And she was definitely uh, outwardly showed great devotion for Ma Kali. But then she was also a kind of embodiment of Mother Kali. She had a, a painting. Um, I have an image of it on my wall. Do you want to see? Yes, the, the, definitely. This is, a, this is called the, this is a, a, you'll get a sense. It's not a stone image, but a, a painting, but it's quite, a, she is very fierce. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I have to hold it in an angle so you can, without the reflections. But you see, she is walking on the Shiva, who's prone, her husband, who's lying before her feet. Maybe like that you can see more or less. Mm -hmm. And you see she has a, a, a dagger in her arm, yeah. in her one hand, and the severed head, and a garland of human heads. And But look at her face. You can see her face. Yeah. yeah she's sticking out her tongue. So on the one hand, she's fierce. And on the other hand, she is, she she is full of love and grace. And you can see there's a battle going on in the background. With yeah. the demons and the and the and the mothers all and there's other mothers in the background slaying the demons and there's blood on the ground. I mean, this is a, a, a shocking image of of the divine, and yet Holy Mother worshipped this image. And yeah. And I also heard I don't know if this is true, but that she is sticking her tongue out because she like is being playful. Like she doesn't mean to hurt Shiva. She tripped over him or something. Is that yeah, true? There's various explanations of, of that. One explanation is that she was on the rampage after killing the demons. She was on the rampage to destroy the whole world. And so Shiva to stop her, she lay, he lay himself at her feet and then she stepped on his breast by accident. And then sticking out your tongue is, is an expression of, uh, um, uh, embarrassment that you've made yeah, a mistake. Like, got, yeah. Oops, I made a mistake. That's yeah. a, a typical uh, expression of embarrassment. So that's one explanation that she's. <laughs> oh, 
boy. Yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's interesting because it's 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 so unfamiliar to us who aren't who don't know it, and yet uh, there's something very bewitching about her form and about her power and her uh, power of attraction. She's the she's the mother. When we come, do we want Swami Swahananda? You know, he used to say. Do you want a Nambi Pambi mother? Or do you want a mother who can fight for you? <laughs> yeah. What's uh, with the, the skull necklace? Right. What does that symbolize? Well, all you know that the arms around her waist and the skulls around her neck. We're all we're uh, we're all skulls. We're each of us is one head in Mother Kali's infinite garland of heads. No, all work is hers, the arms. We do the work with our arms. We think we are working, but actually it's mother who's doing all work. That's why she has our arms around her waist. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Krishna says like pearls on a strand, but I guess Kali's like skulls on a strand. <laughs> <laughs> Together we are all one. Okay. She's the great, she grants us fearlessness. We, uh, we, can, we become fearless in the face of death. Although she represents death at the same time, she and and that really is how to overcome the fear of death is to face it fully and squarely and realize that this body is going to die and this head is going to be removed, if not literally then figuratively when the body dies and crumbles to dust, uh, this head will no longer be 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 it will no longer exist, and yet at mother's feet we realize that we are the eternal children of divine mother. Interesting. Okay, so how does um, Sister Nivedita play into all this? Right. I was thinking, when are we get, getting to? I want to get to that. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> so you know that Sister Nivedita was Irish. She was uh, Swami Vivekananda's fiery Irish disciple who followed him all the way to India and spent the rest of her life dedicated to Swami Vivekananda's work in India. And she was fascinated by Kali. And Swami Vivekananda was, was very reticent to tell anybody anything about Kali because it was an extremely personal relationship. And he wanted to, he, his role was to teach universal teachings. And Mother Kali, he didn't see this as an ideal for the world. Okay? You're not going, you can't present Mother Kali to the world. Here we're presenting it to you, but uh, that's... Yeah, it's not a good marketing ploy. <laughs> This is, he, he taught the universal principles of Vedanta. You, we are divine. Our true nature yeah. is divine. What's, what, what is our true nature? Infinite consciousness, infinite bliss. Realize right. that. See right. that the divine is shining in every heart. And uh, Mother Kali was for him a very personal approach to the divine, not one that he was sharing with others. That universal approach... Through Vedanta, Christians can become, he wanted Christians to become better Christians and Jews to become better Jews. He didn't want to convert anybody to Hinduism or any other ism, mm -hmm. only to be universal and to realize the truth of who we are and that, there, that the divine reality is and we are in it always. And uh, it is the very basis of our being and all of that. That was his message. And uh, yet Sister Nivedita was obviously taken with mother and realized that her guru was completely dedicated to Kali and that her guru's guru was completely dedicated to Kali. So there must be something to this Kali business. 
And uh, so she dived deep into Mother Kali. And she leaves us a book called Kali the Mother. And in it, there's a number of writings, including one chart. We'll come to that in a minute. But I think a turning point for Sishinvedita regarding Mother Kali was also in with Swami Vivekananda. She was with Vivekananda Swamiji in Kashmir in uh, 1898, wasn't it? Uh, and um, they went to the Himalayas. And they went to an ancient shrine of Lord Shiva. It's where the, the Lord Shiva is manifest as an ice, as a pillar of ice. It's, the temple is called Amarnath. And uh, thousands of pilgrims go there every year to see the living Shiva in the ice pillar. The emblem of Shiva in many temples, it is a kind of a pillar. They call it a Shiva Lingam. And it looks kind of like a a stone it's, it's like i have a small one in my in my here i'll show you mm -hmm. this is a small shiva lingam it's just like right. a small how do you represent the formless infinite reality well a kind of a formless stone is one way you might represent mm -hmm. it so in the cave there's a cave up in the Himalayas where somehow condensed water or dripping water or the grace of shiva for this uh, pillar of ice forms and is worshipped as Lord Shiva. And so he went to, on this incredibly austere pilgrimage, which involves bathing in five or three, three or five freezing cold rivers and, and all kinds of, uh, uh, and he entered the, uh, the shrine, the cave shrine, and he was overwhelmed. He, he knelt down and he stayed only a short, time and, and came out. And in those few moments, he revealed later he had been granted the boon from Lord Shiva not to die until he himself willed it. So uh, it's called Amar, the grant of the, 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 um, the, the deathlessness. It means he himself could choose when he is going to leave his body. So he attained that kind of fearlessness in the face of death, <laughs> that death is just taking off a garment so he was full of Shiva. And then his mind, after they came down from that, his mind started turning towards Mother Kali. And gradually the Hari Om, Hari Om, Shiva, Shiva began to be, in his language, began to be replaced by the word mother. And mother became as if a person in the room. And gradually he focused all of his attention on Divine Mother. And he retired from the group and went on a solitary pilgrimage to an ancient shrine to the Divine Mother, also in the same area in Kashmir, called Kshir Bhavani. And there he worshipped the Mother intense meditations, austerities, spiritual practices for a week. And when he came back, he was transformed. And he placed flowers on the heads of Sister Nivedita and the others in the party. And they, they, no one could speak. He was so transformed. And finally, he said, no more Hariyom, it's all mother now. And he related that mother, the mother spoke to him. He heard the voice of the mother. And what did mother tell him? Uh, he had been, this temple had been desecrated by invaders. 
Muslim invaders who don't understand image worship had desecrated the temple, destroyed the temple many, uh, hundreds of years before. And running through Swamiji's mind came the thought, if I had been alive at that time, I would have laid down my life protecting the mother. Then he heard the mother say, do you protect me or do I protect you? So he related this experience to Sister Nivedita. And this, I think, was surely a turning point in Nivedita's life also is in terms of approaching God as mother. Mm. So she, she really absorbed Swami Vivekananda and she wrote, if you're interested in Swami Vivekananda, you've got to read her biography of him called The Master As I Saw Him. She was uh, one of the very important bearers of Swami Vivekananda's message through this book, where we really get a glimpse of a great spiritual teacher and the very intimate struggles he faced and yet how he was always above them at the same time. And uh, she absorbed also her master's love for God as Mother Kali. And I want to read now some sections from a little piece she wrote for a baby, a very young child, uh, the, the daughter of the legates with whom Swami Vivekananda answered to me that had stayed at Stone Ridge, New York at Ridgely Manor. They, they had a baby. And so from Calcutta in Christmas of 1898, she wrote this text called The Story of Kali. So she's writing for a child, and yet it's a profound way to understand who is Kali and, and, and what does she mean and how can we see her? So can I read a little bit of this? Yes, I, please, I, I, perfect. Baby darling, what is the very first thing you remember? Is it not lying on the mother's lap and looking up into her eyes and laughing? If we can think of uh, an infant, we can think of uh, the infant looking into her mother's eyes and smiling when we're young infants. You, you've had children. You yeah. know more about that than I do. <laughs> yeah, there's a bonding of, that goes on. Yeah, those of us who have had infants, and I, I've, of course, I've held infants, but to look into a child's eyes and they look back with these, these eyes and there's this this looking and uh, mothers can get lost in their baby's eyes and the babies get lost in their mother's eyes. And then uh, mothers also play a game with their babies, right? <laughs> Did you ever play hide and seek with mother? Asks uh, Niverita. Mother's eyes shut and baby was not. She opened them and there was baby. Ba then baby's eyes shut and where was mother? But they opened again and, oh, when mother's eyes were shut, where was she? There all the time. But you could not see her eyes. Yet she was there. So she starts with this peekaboo. And apparently it's, um, they call it object constancy, that the baby, a baby doesn't realize if it can't see something, that then that, that thing ceases to exist. So if suddenly a face of mother is gone, and somehow mother has ceased to exist. And then suddenly she reappears. So it causes a great mirth. 
And I understand that babies can be entertained for hours with peekaboo. And uh, so she set this up beautifully. And then she says, baby, some people think God is just like that. A great, great mother. So great that all this big world is her baby. God is playing with her world and she shuts her eyes. Then, all our lives long, baby darling, we try to catch the great mother peeping. <laughs> so she presents this world, this universe, as a game of peekaboo with our divine mother. It's so appealing to me, at least, that actually we can see mother in anything and in everything. If we have the eyes to see, actually, she is peeping at us through everything, through all the beauty of this world, through all the people who are in it, through every little thing in, and in beautiful things. Have you ever gone? To, you must have gone and to see a beautiful sunset in the mountains or at the ocean and the mind becomes stilled and you think you feel like you're in the presence of the divine. Mm -hmm. That's mother peeping. That's mother peeping at us. We've caught a glimpse of mother peeping. It's relatively easy there. But the idea is that mother is always playing peekaboo with us. She's always inviting us to see her in everything. So she goes on. <laughs> then, uh, so God is playing with her world. And she shuts her eyes. Then all our lives long, baby darling, we try to catch the great mother peeping. And if any of us can do that, if any of us can look into the eyes of God just once, just for a minute, do you know what happens? That person at once knows all secrets. And he or she becomes strong and wise and loving and never never forgets that moment. Wow. So I love this, this kind of this very intimate, almost conspiratorial tone that sharing a secret with this yeah. child that, do you know, this, yeah. some people think God is just like mother playing peekaboo and she is playing peekaboo with her world. If we can just catch her and we have every, every moment, we have a chance to catch mother peeping. That's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. I love that whole analogy. Sister Nivedita was so lucky to have that experience of spending so much time with Swami Vivekananda. <laughs> and she's, she came for this purpose. You know, they, they, she yeah. was obviously not a lightweight herself. She was a, a, a very pure and very, very, in, very smart and gifted in many ways, a gifted writer. She was yeah. only um, about four years younger than Swami Vivekananda, four, mm. four and a half years younger. But uh, it wasn't long before she recognized him as her teacher when, mm. she, when Swami Vivekananda came to in, uh, England. And the first time she met him was at a fireside class with just a handful of people. And she doesn't remember the topic, but she remembers being in his presence and feeling something that mm. she, hard to describe. And before his visit to India, England that time had come to a close, she addressed him as master. So um, she recognized.
Yeah. Wow. So it's like, you know how avatars like Ramakrishna brought in his, you know, special devotees, the original guys. It's almost like Vivekananda brought in her as part Seems of like his it, posse it? to help spread his <laughs> message. Seems like it. Seems like it. Yes. That's yeah. amazing. And she died rather young also, right? She died in 1911 in India. She did a lot of work and, and uh, even for the in Indian independence movement. She actually, uh, it's a kind of interesting and strange history because she actually had to separate herself from the Ramakrishna order because she got involved in Indian politics and the order's rule was no politics whatsoever. But she, she was an Irish woman and, uh, you know, the, the England also was an occupier in Ireland <laughs> and uh, the British uh, colonial, colonial, you know, taking over and really raping India, as it were, and uh, she couldn't bear it. Uh, so she worked for Indian independence also and inspired many of the freedom fighters and all mm. of that. So she had to uh, d distance herself from the order because the order was strictly apolitical. Uh, right. And yet, of course, she was always part of the, the, the fraternity. And uh, yeah. And what she was very doing close. was really karma yoga, you know, helping the yeah. people of India. Yeah. Yeah, and she was uh, very close to Holy Mother, and and Holy Mother broke a lot of the societal customs to embrace Sister Nivedita as one of her own mm -hmm. daughters. And uh, um, after Sister Nivedita had died, uh, oh, Holy Mother was really heartbroken. She used to call her Cookie, my little baby, mm -hmm. and uh, she had a, a, a shawl that Nivedita had given her. And years later, it was uh, threadbare and moth-eaten. And one of the young novices uh, in her service said, what's this old shawl? Let, let's throw it out. Mother, no, no, that belonged to Sister Nivedita. Don't throw it out. It reminds me of her, of her purity, her devotion, her dedication. Nivedita means the one who is dedicated, the one who is dedicated to the altar of India to the altar of the mother. This is the name Swami Vivekananda gave to her. Yeah, he gave her that name when she was initiated. In Almora, she gave her the name, and it was a kind of initiation that she received at that time. Yes. And she was, was she a nun? Was she, she, was was nun. she was called sister? Yeah, she was a nun. She was so dedicated. She went through all those steps too. Right. Well, she wasn't, she didn't receive the final ordination. So her, she always wore white. So she received the initial ordination into what we call Brahmacharya. So the, the uh, lifelong dedication to the divine and to leading a divine life and to not marrying, but uh, leading a, a celibate life and dedicated to service and spirituality. Let me read one more paragraph of, of this text. Uh, it's, it keeps, she's still writing to this baby, remember? Uh, and when you win like that, when you catch the mother looking, something else happens, something lovely. All her other children come and play with you. The little birds come and the wee lambs love you and the wild rabbits touch your feet. And the poor children in the streets, who are cold and hungry perhaps, 
poor children that the great mother loves most of all, because they seem to have no father or mother, and perhaps no home. Poor children trust you and make a place for you with them. We are all sitting on the mother's lap, but these sit closest of all to her breast. And what do we call the mother with her eyes shut? We call her Kali. So this is the story of Kali, mother with her eyes shut. <laughs> and can go. we catch her peeping? Can we catch her peeping? There you go. So with this mother season coming up with the Durga Puja, and then I guess there's the Kali immersion too. There's all... Well, there's a Kali Puja. We, we uh, every year, as you know, we worship Mother Kali in a traditional ritual, which involves uh, constructing an image uh, like the one that I showed you, but in three dimensions, uh, made of plaster. One of our devotees currently makes it, Uma Sanasarian, she makes the image and uh, beautiful. She's an artist and she makes a beautiful image. And then we invoke the presence of the Divine Mother in the image. So for a short, for a brief time, we feel that the Mother actually, by our prayers and special rituals, uh, she enters into that image and specially manifests there and then accepts our worship. And we worship her with physical offerings, actually. After worshiping her in our heart, of course, Hindu worship starts with the worship in the heart and then only we bring mother from within out into the image and then we worship her in the image and then we take her back into our hearts. And after the worship is over, well, uh, then she is brought to a body of water and she's immersed in that water. It seems kind of strange. We've taken all the trouble to make an image and worship her and then we just throw her in the ocean. What's that? Uh, <laughs> well, let her go back to the formless state and let her remain in our hearts. If once we've made an image, we, then we'd have to worship her every day because she's here, but we have to worship her every day. So we say, well, okay, you dwell in my, once a year, we like to bring you out so we can see you with our physical eyes. And then afterwards, we send her back into the formless state. We ask her to stay in our hearts. And she's again in the infinite formless state of the ocean of infinite consciousness and symbolized by lovingly immersing her physical form that we worshiped for a, a day uh, in the ocean and we take her out on the boat and we go out into the ocean and then we uh, let her go in the ocean it's a lot of fun wow that's cool that's cool okay so how can we uh worship the mother honor the mother you know get blessings from the mother give to the mother our respect and love on our own at home, if we're not going to like build this big Kali statue and go out on the ocean and immerse what, <laughs> what are some things that we can do during the season? And when should we be doing them? Like what's the appropriate time frame? Because it changes every year, right? It's based on the lunar calendar. Right. Well, it's a lunar solar calendar. Uh, it's a, it, both sun and moon play a role in this, this calendar. And uh, like the Jewish calendar, uh, Hindu calendar also is lunar solar. And it, it works that it's according to the phase of the moon. And yet it also, the seasons fall in the same months every year. So every few years they have to add an extra month 
in order to otherwise the lunar months say the Muslim calendar is a strictly lunar calendar and Ramadan say the month of fasting that falls in, if that falls in summer this year next year it might fall in just a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier and, and after a few years it's coming in winter so the right. celebrations fall in different seasons so here the celebrations fall in the same seasons it's always autumn when this divine mother season comes and we mother mother is worshipped first as Durga and then as Kali and it starts um, I think this year it's the 6th of October, uh, Mahalaya. Did anybody have the calendar by you? Uh, something like that, 5th or 6th. And then there's a, there's a fortnight, uh, which is uh, dedicated to Divine Mother. And we, at the Vedanta Society, we often do extra repetition of Mother's name. And in that case, we use the name of Mother Durga, Jayashri Durga. We chant Jayashri Durga. And half an hour or an hour in the day chanting Jayashri Durga. And then uh, Mother Kali is worship comes up and we could chant Jai Ma Kali, victory, all glory to Mother Kali. But first of all, I want to say this is for, it's not for everybody. Not everybody is drawn to Divine Mother. This is for those who are drawn to her. And, uh, but I think more important than that is what I feel, at least today, reading this, the important thing is try to see Mother. Try to see that the try to feel that we are in the lap of an infinite and all loving divine mother. And that we can try to dedicate all our lives and actions to her. And whatever we eat, we dedicate to her. Whatever we do, we dedicate to her. And we surrender the results of everything to her and let her do as she wills. So there are, there are different poems and prayers. The Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna is a gold mine of prayers to Divine Mother because Sri Ramakrishna himself used to pray to Divine Mother and those prayers are recorded. And he used to sing many songs to Divine Mother and those songs also are actually prayers. So we can recite those beautiful prayers like, uh, what's a good example? Uh, hmm. The black bee of my mind is drawn in sheer delight to the blue lotus flower of Mother Shyama's feet, the blue flower of the feet of Kali, Shiva's consort. Tasteless to the bee are the blossoms of desire. My mother's feet are black and black too is the bee. Black is made one with black. This much of the mystery these mortal eyes behold, then hastily retreat. But Kamala Kanta's hopes are answered in the end. He swims in the sea of bliss, unmoved by joy or pain. So that's a, a, a mystic song of Kamala Kanta. And uh, it expresses a very deep a way of approaching the Divine Mother. Our, our, the Divine Mother's feet are like a lotus and our mind is like a bee. And the feet are black and the bee is also black and black is made one with black. And that's as far as we can go. We can't understand, the mind can't really understand what has happened. But what happens? We swim in the sea of bliss. So to me, that's the, the highest worship of mother is to see her in everything and to dedicate yeah. everything to and, her. Okay. And as you were saying about how like Kali, Durga, there's different names or whatever, I guess Kali represents also Saraswati because Sharada Devi, the, um, 
Ramakrishna used to say she was Saraswati. Saraswati, yes. So they're all different. They're all different ways of conceiving of divine mother. Yeah. And especially emphasizing different aspects with Saraswati. She, we, she is emphasizing. She is the goddess of wisdom and of art and of music, especially. Mm-hmm. So when we like for Navratri, we're do we're worshiping Durga, Saraswati, and Lakshmi, but all of those could be considered aspects of the Divine Mother. Sure. Sure, different different manifestations we can say different manifestations. Different manifestations. Okay, great. But when we whichever form of the divine we approach, for for that moment, that form is the supreme. Okay. At least that's that's my approach. That's the Vedantic approach. When I'm approaching God as Saraswati, she is the mother, and there's no other. And when I'm approaching God as Krishna, He is the all-encompassing Lord, and there's no other. Because God is one, the names are different. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's good. There's no competition. Right. (laughs) No, Shiva versus Krishna on the battlefield. You know, it's all together. Okay. So um, Kalpan is asking um, Swamiji, when do we start the chant from the Mahalaya day, which is on October 6th this year? Oh, well, the date, uh, let's see. Um, is that the Jai Sri Durga chant? Um, let me, yeah, right. Uh, um. And usually um, Swami Sarvadevanandaji sends out a sheet and we're all supposed right. to commit to right. doing so many hundreds right. of these. Uh, uh, this year, somewhere in this room, there's a piece of paper Otherwise, I was looking. Oh, I think I'm finding it here. Okay, it's here after all. Um, schedule is uh, October 6 to October 15. Okay. So every day in there, we're going to do, we're going to chant Jai Sri Jorga. Those, those of us who are feel called to do that are going to do that, yes. Okay. And <laughs> yeah. just as much as we can, or we should just commit oftentimes, to Oftentimes, it, what's nice to do, and that's a nice thing to do in spiritual practice in general, is to make a commitment. Because our minds are so fickle and lazy that uh, if we don't make a pledge, uh, we will might, you know, if you start out with great enthusiasm and we might do too many the first day and then the next day, well, I did so many yesterday, I'm taking the day off today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so generally we make a pledge. I'm going to do a thousand a day, a thousand times I'm going to repeat Jai Sri Yoga every day. And then we keep with it. So any day, even sometimes uh, at the end of the day, we might say, oh my gosh, I haven't done it yet. Well, we might have to go to bed a half an hour later. To finish it, but yeah, we've made the pledge, so every yeah. day we have to do it. So, so it's not too late. It's a vow. It's a vow. We're gonna do it. If you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. So you can do more than your vow, but you can't do less. Okay. So. Okay. So Kalpan says she usually does a thousand a day. Mm-hmm. That yeah. sounds like a lot. It doesn't Good for it doesn't, you, Kalpana. <laughs> it takes it takes some time, but see, it's a short mantra. You can chant it quickly. Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga. Or you can give time, Jai Shri Durga. 
Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga, Jai. Okay. Silently, you can do it anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, what about um Navratri? What are those days this year that we can like mark on our calendar? Yeah, that that what I just said with Copenhagen. The sixth through the fifteenth. Yeah, so those it's are. supposed to be though like three days of first Durga and then Saraswati and then Lakshmi. Is that right? In that well, order. Well, in in this tradition, it's Durga all the way through. Durga all the way through. Yeah. And, uh, okay. and see, in this tradition of Durga, Lakshmi and Saraswati are her daughters. So, oh. A, a, and uh, Ganesha and Kartika are her sons. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, that's, so I always thought Parvati and Shiva were the mother and father of so Parvati, Durga. They're, 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 she's the, the same. All the same. All you the can't, same. You can't make it all line up. You can't line everything up cleanly because there's so many different traditions and then traditions merged and, and separated again. And there's different influences from different sides. So it's not, it doesn't all line up like, okay, if I, if it all makes sense now, because there are these different aspects of Divine Mother Durga. On the one hand, yes. She is the mother who destroys the demons and protects the gods. And uh, on the other hand, she is the daughter-in-law who comes home uh, during the period of Durga Puja. And she's married to this crazy guy, Shiva, who, who lives in the mountains and smokes marijuana. And uh, uh, she's been married off to this guy. And uh, so she comes home for three days and then she goes back to her mountain abode. So all these there's different strands weaved in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So uh, Michelle is saying that tomorrow is Amma's birthday celebration. Amma, the hugging saints. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yes, she's a she is a, she is like a, 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 that some of the, the I mean there's she also manifests the divine mother in a beautiful way, doesn't she? By, yeah. by embracing every, anyone and everyone who comes to her. And what a power to be able to, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be able to hug 10 people in a row and feel all right. And she's uh, embracing a, a thousands in a day. Oh, yeah. I actually got a hug from Mama once. And, and I felt that kind of love like I felt from my grandmother. I mean, she was totally, I had never met her before. I knew nothing about her. But when she hugged me, I felt that love, that unconditional love, like I felt from yes. my grandmother. Yes, 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 yes. It was amazing. So another uh, incarnation, I guess. Um, so Deepak Chopra used to tell this story. And I, I've heard it from other people since then, too. But he said that. Uh, like you said, that Saraswati and Lakshmi are sisters. Mm -hmm. And most people want to go after Lakshmi because she's the goddess of wealth and beauty and they want all that prosperity. But the way to get her is to go after Saraswati and go after knowledge and go after um, wisdom and things like that. And then Lakshmi gets jealous and she comes to you. Well, okay. If you want wealth and uh, and prosperity, then that's maybe a very good tip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we read just another short passage from this? Thing? Yes, please. Yes, okay. Please. This 
this is um, this is beautiful. Okay, here's a call to service, and but not serve the service, but service is play with the mother. There is another game of hide and seek that the great mother plays. This is more like a fairy story. She hides sometimes in other people. She hides in anything. Any day you might see her eyes just looking into mothers or playing with a kitten or picking up a bird that had fallen from its nest. Under all these forms, you may find God playing at hide and seek. When there is something to do for someone, Kali is calling us to play. Oh. There is something to do for someone. Kali is calling us to play. So on the one hand, it's, it's play. This whole life can be seen as a play with mother. We're playing with mother. Sometimes the play gets a little rough. But when there is something to do for someone, Kali is calling us to play. We love that play. She herself said once that she was hiding in someone, and he said it was her. Inasmuch as ye did it unto one of the least of these, my little ones, ye did it unto me. So here she's weaving in teachings of Jesus <laughs> and saying, mother, he said it was her. Well, he's his father, father and mother are one. So <laughs> very interesting how she weaves in uh, teachings of Jesus and Mother Kali in this piece. Yeah. Here. <laughs> how beautifully Kali plays. You might find her anywhere. And I think that's the idea that we've, we can find her everywhere. And finally, she suggests, and I won't read the whole thing because it, we're coming to the end of our time, but uh, she, she, she reminds baby Leggett um, that uh, her mother, baby Leggett's mother has a brother whom baby has never met. Pitchy says, you love him, don't you? Because mother, your mother loves him. And so you love everyone that mother loves, don't you? Uh, love all the people mother loves don't you dearie and so we love all the people kali loves all the children she plays with and the lambs and the flowers and the great trees and the little fishes she loves all these and she loves too the stars in the sky and so do we for we are her children and everything that she loves we love too because she is the mother and we cannot help it. That's the end of this section uh, of this. Wow. That, that, that idea that we love, uh, who is not mother's child? Who in this world is not Mother Kali's child? And Mother Kali loves all her children. So we also are called to love all her children. It's a tall order. But we are called to do that. If she's all, if she's a mother to everyone, then we're all brothers and sisters. Yes. And yes. we got to get along. Yes. <laughs> we got to love each other and get along despite our differences. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. Wow. I'm like no, so is... inspired now. I want to uh, go find that. Um, that story it, it's in the book that she wrote about um, it's in the book of kali the mother kali the, the mother kali the mother yes okay. I, can send, I can send you the text 
Oh, great. Because <laughs> I think that should be published like as a children's book just by itself, you know? Uh-huh. It could be, it could be a nicely uh, done as a children's book. Yeah, and illustrated and okay, and my next project. <laughs> To the Bhagavad Gita. Now I'm onto this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, well, well, can th- you chant us out very yeah, th- thank you. Go? Thank you, Parama, for inviting me because it's uh, such a joy to share this with you because it's it is such a profound piece of uh, 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 such a profound little text and so joyous and and you make it so joyful to share it. Oh, I love it. We can have our usual prayer. Our leaders. Oh, Asato ma sad gamaya, Tamaso ma jyotir gamaya, Mritor ma mritangamaya, Oh, Shanti Shanti Shanti. The unreal, lead us to the real. From darkness, lead us unto light. From death, lead us to immortality. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone. And enjoy Navratri and the pujas and the celebration of this beautiful time of Divine Mother. And... All, all the best and so much love to everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, everybody. Bye, thank you, Parma. And Shamiji, send me the link for the book as well. Other writer. Okay. 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 Thank you. Thanks, Mutaji. Good to see you. <laughs> <laughs>